0: Good morning, afternoon, evening to all of you wonderful ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else listening. This is the Royal Deluxe Podcast, giving you breaking news and analysis of the Kansas City Royals every Monday and Friday as part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm Lux, at least that's what I tell people, and I describe the flavors of Monster Energy by color. For example, the pink Monster Energy tastes like Monster Energy, but pink. And then there's a blue Monster Energy. It tastes like monster energy, but it's blue flavored, and so on. If you would like to know more, you can follow me on Twitter at the MF in Casey, or simply follow the podcast for other baseball analysis and more live updates at Royal Deluxe Pod, or further inquiries can be sent to Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. And now that I've kind of gotten past the conditioning stage of this podcast where I just dumped like, I don't know, 50 podcasts about random nonsense last week, we can get back to our regular format, our regular schedule where we talk about the Royals every Monday and Friday. And we are now past the first weekend of Kansas City Royals Major League Baseball games. The Royals have played three regular season games. We already talked about the first one. We already talked about opening day, and they had an off day on Friday. Now, this is a bit of a tangent, but I actually kind of wonder if we really need to have an off day the day after opening day. I mean, logistically, I understand why. But I'm saying that, you you know, we should just do something else with that off day. If we don't need that off day, like if it's just Nice, clear, sunny skies. I don't know. Hold an exhibition game. Hold like a a t-ball game. Let's do something fun instead of, you know, starting the season and then telling everyone to just kind of take the next day off. It just totally breaks momentum. It doesn't make any sense. It's like you get everyone excited for baseball and it's like, woo, baseball. And then the next day it's just like, oh, okay, I guess we don't have anything to do. It's so weird. It is so awkward. And it continues on for an entire week because not every team had opening day last Thursday so next Thursday this coming Thursday we're gonna to have to do it all over again and it's just I just hate it. I hate the early part of the year with this really inconsistent scheduling. It's so dumb. They gotta do something else with this. Again, I understand it logistically, but I don't know. Maybe just have a game 163. I mean, what's another game at this point? There's already way too many games in a regular baseball season. I don't know why we have 162 games. It seems a little bit overkill, if you ask me. Although, I don't know. I enjoy baseball, so I guess I'll take whatever I can get. Anyway, this tangent has gone on long enough. But uh, we had two more Royals games on Saturday and Sunday to talk about. And guess what? The Royals lost both games. Whoa. All right. We're back in mid-season form, baby. The Royals are bad. Let's go. <claps> My microphone totally did not pick that up. You probably just heard a very harsh, screeching, scratching noise. <laughs> yeah, I apologize for that. Hang on, let me let me give you my uh my crickle. Hang on, is this working? Is it working? Woo! Yeah, baby! That's what I'm talking about! That's what we've all been waiting for. Anyway, it has been a dismal weekend for the Kansas City Royals. They have quite literally gotten off to the worst possible first impression that anybody could have. Of this team. But before we get into those negatives, and trust me, there are lots of negatives to get to, I do want to bring in a new segment of the podcast where I highlight my favorite moment of the Royals, or really just baseball in general, I suppose, if it were to come to that. Um, over the last week or weekend so of course you know we do this every Monday and Friday I want to shout out my favorite moment in Royals baseball that has happened since our last discussion so here is what I would call the deluxe moment let's check it out not many guys can oh left field that's well hit Larnick is back and the Royals are on the board for the first time the Royals opened the season by going 18 scores sorry 19 scoreless innings in a row they were shut out the first game and they were shut out in the second game as well and shut out of the first inning but in the bottom of the second inning in the third game Edward Olivares hit a home run to not only tie the game but break the Royals scoreless streak for the season And this moment was especially fun because just a couple pitches before in that same at-bat, he hit a foul ball that went like 500 feet. I mean, I don't know if there was any distance uh, given for this foul ball, but it went freaking far. I mean, it went like Hall of Fame distance far, and I mean like the Royals Hall of Fame distance. But of course, it hooked foul. There was a lot that was actually hit into that deep left corner. I don't know what was going on. Over there, Maybe the wind currents just pushed it in that very oddly specific part of the stadium. But Edward Olivares got his first home run of the season, got the Royals' first run of the season. Can you believe that two years ago, Mike Matheny and Dayton Moore wanted nothing to do with this player? And, you know, I don't know if Edward Olivares is the future. I don't know if he is going to be a reliable, regular player. On this team going forward, but he does have big meme energy. It's like whenever we need him the most, he arrives and does something really amazing. He just has all these really fantastic and outstanding moments. So, of course, he's going to be the one to break the Royals' scoreless streak. Now, getting out from that, um yeah, there's a... Well... I want to kind of say there's not a lot of good things to talk about with the Royals because, of course, they lost all three games. And like I said, this was quite literally the worst possible first impression that a team could have made, especially because the Royals have really done their best to get as many people in the stands as possible. I'm sure they're aware that the fan base is upset. They're unhappy. They it, What happened last year... With this team, the on-field performance was completely unacceptable, and I do think that JJ Piccolo has kind of been on damage control, you know? So this season, they really wanted to get people sold on this Royals team. They had an insane promotion for opening day. They gave away a Bobby Witt Jr. bobblehead on opening day. I've never seen them give away any bobblehead on opening day. They usually just give you a magnet schedule. That's all they do. This time they gave us a bobblehead of the team's most popular player for opening day, and they sold out. It totally worked. And then the Royals played one of the most boring games of baseball that I have ever seen. That was absolutely terrible. But that's not all. Second game of the season, they give out MJ Melendez bobblehead, so go get another collector's item for the second game of the season. And that one didn't seem to pack the house all that much. I hear attendance was only like 16,000 or so, which, I mean, this was a Saturday game. I guess maybe during the day is not so appealing, but still, it's like, that's not particularly great attendance. And then going forward for the next week or so, they for the rest of the home games on this initial home stretch, they've got $5 upper deck and outfield corner seats. And let me tell you, that out, those outfield corner seats are extremely underrated. That is, I mean, at, at the moment, I'm just kind of like not really into the idea of going to the stadium just for various reasons. Number one, I already went, you know, so I'm, I'm not exactly eager to go back out to the stadium right now. But still, like... If this promotion comes back in, you know, later on the season, I'm totally jumping on that. Those are th- those outfield corner seats are actually really, really good, and I don't think people really realize that. I, I think people really take for granted just the view from out there. So you know, the Royals are trying. They are definitely trying to get people into the stadium and very early. So that they they really want to get people into the stadium so that hopefully. The team can put on a good performance and then all these people can go, hey, the Royals look pretty fun this year. I'm actually going to pay attention to them this season and maybe go to a couple more games instead of just, you know, opening day and or a game early in the season. And then this happens. The team just completely falls flat on its face. It doesn't really show. It doesn't really have anything to show. And it's like, oh, man. And, And now already you hear all over Kansas City. Oh, man, the Royals are terrible no one's going to watch them now no one's going to care i mean people are going to watch them people are going to care i care personally if I, if if the royals if the royals only have one fan i am that one fan if the royals have no fans it's because i am no longer on this earth but still it just sucks seeing that unfortunately and i am kind of of two minds with this opening series i kind of think that it's not too big of a deal and i'm not really super negative about the team going forward but it is hard to deny that you know opening that initial impressions are not good and given that this is the only these are the only games we've played this season it really amplifies any negative feelings because this is the only side of the royals we've seen we haven't seen the royals on a good day so far so we've only seen them at their worst but there is something in particular to take away from this series in a, a fairly negative way. And it's that the the team looks rusty. That's kind of the, the impression I get from them. They, they're rusty. They're kind of like off, almost unconditioned or undisciplined, which is... Not a great first impression to have in going into the season, because that's exactly what spring training is for. Spring training is de-rusting, so to speak. It's to get players re-acclimated and conditioned to play baseball for for the next six months. Sorry for that weird little edit lol. And it just seems like right out the gate, the Royals are are like a step behind everybody else. I mean, the first game was especially the case, like MJ Melendez in particular misplaying the first ball that was hit to him in the outfield, which could have been a cool 9-3 double play or not a double play, but just a, a cool 9-3 play instead he misfields it. It's like, oh, you know, little little oopsie moment, but then same game he doesn't run out a ground ball which results in a what was like a 3-2-3 double play. And maybe if he actually ran, he might have beaten the second throw. But no, he didn't. Uh Fran-Mil Reyes, kind of taking a strike out in a really clutch-out bat in a big in a big at bat because he took a pitch clock violation. There was Bobby Witt Jr. who made a play he made the he he tried to make a cute play. He he you know he fielded a ball and tried to get Byron Buxton out at third base. He tried to get the force out there instead whiffed the throw and it didn't really do anything. And then a run scored afterwards and said he could have a run scored on a sacrifice fly because there was only one out. But if he just threw the first, there would have been two outs. So instead of taking the guaranteed out and just making it a two out inning, he kept it at a one out inning with a runner on third and that ended up scoring a run. Not that this really had a, A big impact on the overall game because the Royals lost two to nothing. This was the second game of the series. But it's like, it's it's little things like that. The Royals are kind of missing out on lots of these little things. And they just, it just doesn't seem like they really capitalized on spring training. Maybe it really was the World Baseball Classic that kind of kept them out of their usual conditioning process. I don't know. But it does kind of look like they they've gone into the season sleeping behind the wheel a little bit. Even Vinny Pasquantino, I think, has kind of not necessarily been dogging it. Like I don't think the guys are lazy or anything, but he's also had some moments where like there was there was one play where MJ Melendez actually could have made a good play. He made a he made a catch in the outfield and tried to double up the runner, but then Vinny didn't stretch properly, so he just kind of missed that. And it's like. Again, small things like that that are costing the Royals ever so slightly. Maybe they even if they don't even if they don't have big overall impacts on the game, it just kind of looks like they're a, they're half a step behind everybody else. But that can make a big difference overall. Now, for for what it's worth, not everybody is this rusty. I'm particular. I'm I'm personally really enjoying Salvador Perez behind behind the plate not necessarily with the bat although he did have a double today so that was pretty cool but salvi i think might might re-enter gold glove discussions once again salvi is framing pitches he's doing it he is framing he is taking strikes he is taking balls away or how, how how do you say this? He is taking balls into the strike zone. Essentially, he is framing pitches and 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 ta- and stealing balls away from batters. And multiple times, he has tried to catch runners off guard and try picking them off at first base. He'll receive the pitch and then just swing it, just just launch something over to the first baseman to try to catch a runner sleeping. Like he is on high alert. For the, the base stealing. Because you know we've all been theorizing and speculating that. Base stealing is going to be a lot more frequent this season. With the larger bases. And the fewer pickoff attempts. And I don't actually think there was a single stolen base. <laughs> in this entire uh, series. I, I could be wrong. But I really don't remember any. But yeah. Salvi is watching out for that. And I like it. I really like how alert he is behind the plate. I think he might reestablish himself as... One of the league's best catchers, one of baseball's best defensive catchers legitimately, even with that. And like like now the whole like pitch framing thing, that argument might be lost. Finally, we might finally be able to say, okay, he can actually frame now that people can't take that away from us. I'm also liking Michael Massey. I'm liking the way Michael Massey is fielding. I think that, you know, again, like this is super early and I haven't even really seen any other baseball games. But, I mean, he could also establish himself as a gold glove candidate at second base. I'm loving just how much effort he is putting into each play. I On opening day, he had multiple plays where he ran into the outfield to catch a pop fly. Like, he became a more reliable right fielder than MJ Melendez, which is, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. It's good for Michael Massey, I guess, but I really like him in that position. I'm now starting to see why he was a minor league gold glove winner at second base. Now, his approach to the plate definitely could use a lot of work, which is another sort of issue the Royals are having it's like the Royals are trying to do too much. You know, I, I I've, we've talked about how the Royals can hit the ball really, really hard, especially these younger players. They can really slug, believe it or not. But I'm sort of wondering if maybe that's kind of working to their detriment, where sometimes they're trying to hit the ball too hard, and it's just not really working in their favor. Because I did say, when you know, when I was talking about like how like the Royals were actually top 10 in hard hit percentage last season and like i think top 10 in exit velocity hitting the ball hard doesn't automatically mean you're doing something productive hard hit outs are very much a real thing that exist and the Royals have certainly suffered a lot of hard hit outs over the course of the series some of them very unlucky some of the, some of these hard hit outs are like expected batting averages in the 600s or greater. So it's like some of these just some things really haven't gone the Royals way. But sometimes it really does look like they're just hacking away at the plate a little bit too much, not exercising a lot of patience. Michael Massey is one of those guys who I think maybe saw like, I think he saw fewer than 20 pitches in all of his at-bats combined over the course of this entire weekend. He did have a nice double in his last at at bat, which I thought was kind of a uh, poetic. He got an RBI double late into the third game, as if he was just like, "Yeah, screw you guys. I know what I'm doing." But even then, I don't know. Like he had he had some legitimately at he had some legitimately bad at bat before that. A lot of the younger guys in this lineup just look like they're kind of guessing against some pitchers, not not really sure which pitches to take and which to not take. Like some of them do seem like they want to be patient. MJ seems like he wants to be patient still. He's still swinging and missing, but you know that's always going to be part of his game. Same with Bobby. You know, he had two walks to open of the season. He had two walks in the very first game, which I thought was great. I'm like, "Oh, hey, Bobby is a lot more patient at the plate and he has not done that at all since then." So it's like, "Oh, uh, I don't know. Okay." So I don't know, that whole approach that we started to see last year of the Royals looking for their pitch to really hit and capitalize on, it's kind of we that hasn't really shown up so far this season and that's I, I don't know if it's supposed to I don't know if we should be concerned about it. That's kind of the thing. I don't want to overreact. It's been 3 games, but it's the only 3 games we've played, so it's it's hard to tell if this is a sign of things to come or if this is just, you know, a bad weekend. Or, like I said, maybe it's just there, there's still a little bit of de-rusting that needs to occur. Because, sure, these guys have played in the majors already, but not for an incredibly long amount of time. For a lot of these players, this is technically year one of service time in the MLB. Vinny Pasquantino and M- M- Michael Massey and MJ Melendez last year was year zero of their service time. They haven't played a full season in the majors. Bobby has, he is, because he was on the opening day roster. So may, maybe it's just inexperience that is kind of getting the better of them right now. Maybe this is the sophomore slump that uh, people warn you about. I don't know. And I definitely don't want to make any bold claims, because I made a lot of bold claims last year. You know, I, I like to remind people, because everyone was upset about the first couple of games, you know, being shut out losses. But I. But does anyone remember how last year went? We won the first two games of the season. And not only that, but we were like, we were really confident about the team going forward after those first two games. Bobby Witt Jr. had a clutch hit in the first game of the season that ended up, ended up winning us the game. And then second game, it was scoreless in 10 innings. But Bobby Witt Jr. once again came, once again, I said that weirdly for some reason. I guess I'm my my mouth is dry. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should drink a little more water. I Had a crap ton of chicken wings. That's my issue, or I just don't know how to talk. Probably both. In any case, um, second game of the season, 2022. Bobby Witt Jr. came in clutch with his glove, made a fantastic defensive stop at third, went home with the went home with the throw, and that ended up, um getting a getting a that ended up being a great play that saved a run Royals won to nothing that game and we're like oh man this team looks so good right now like they're doing everything right they're pitching well you know they're the hitting hasn't really come alive yet but it was like also like extremely cold so we were willing to forgive them for that and the fielding was fantastic we're like oh man this could be like a, a legit team like we could be legit this season this is looking really good Third game of the season, they lost 17 to (laughs) three. So and in that case, for for that particular game, we're like, okay, um, hopefully this was just a very, very shockingly bad game. And we can just kind of put this one behind us and move on with this season. Hopefully this is not a sign of things to come for the rest of the season. Note. It was absolutely a sign of things to come for the season. But we didn't really know. We couldn't really tell what the team was going to be like. I remember, I, I'm i pretty sure in the first month of the season last year, I covered every single game. I did a podcast for every single Royals game in April 2022, and I remember being... Pretty positive about the team, despite them not winning a lot of games, because it seemed like the pitching, For believe it or not, I know this is hard to believe, but the pitching seemed like it was genuinely solid. Uh, Maybe the rotation, not so much, but at least the bullpen. It actually looked like the bullpen was really, really strong, and the defense was really, really strong. It just, we just didn't really have much of a rotation and much of a lineup. But I kind of also thought, well, the lineup's going to get a little better. They're going to start hitting at some point. But I do remember being... At least hopeful that things would ch- turn around in April. They didn't, but I don't know. It's just so hard to to really figure out what a team is going to be like this early in the season, and we're not. And, and we're not even at the point where we can say this early in the season because I'm talking about like the entire month of April. We're not even there yet. We're on. A, this, I'm recording this on April second. Three games have been played so far. And hey, remember, expectations aren't supposed to be extremely high for the Royals. I know no one wants to hear that the Royals aren't going to make the playoffs this season or that it's highly unlikely, it's highly improbable that they will make the playoffs this season. But I I was saying 76 wins, okay? So this is going to be a losing season. But you know what? In 2017, which was supposed to be which was expected to be a playoff season, um, granted, we did have playoff caliber talent on that roster, at least at that point. We had a, a, a roster that won a world championship before, so a little bit different from today. But still, that team went 0-3. So they, they also got swept in the very first series of the season. And you know who they played? The Twins! The 2017 Royals opened up with an 0-3 series against the Minnesota Twins. And that, and it, it really seemed like for a while that team did not have anything going for it. They started the season 10 and 20. They finished 80 and 82. Now that, in the eyes of pretty much everybody, yeah, they put in everybody would can agree that was a really disappointing season because it was supposed to be a playoff season. It wasn't even a winning season. So that's not cool. But hey, if the Royals can have something like that this season with this roster, Well, that's a lot better all of a sudden because we're not expecting to be a playoff team and uh, 99% of the roster has not been in the playoffs before. What I'm saying is what I think could be possible for the Royals in in a very pessimistic and paradoxically optimistic way is that they do get off to a bad start and it doesn't look like things are going well for them. But then they find their footing later on and... Go most of the season playing pretty competitive baseball. So let's say the first month or so they're not very good. They start the season let's let's say ten and twenty once again. But then they play five hundred baseball for the rest of the season. They'll finish seventy six and eighty six. They'll be ten games but below five hundred. If they if they have a if they have if they start the season ten games below five hundred and then finish it, then yeah they'll be at that pace most of the season. And all things considered, that would be a lot better. Hope again. I I can't say for sure that this is going to happen. I'm not really just predicting this is going to happen. Maybe the Royals will start winning right now, and you know we can immediately put this three game series behind us and say, okay, that was just like a, a weirdly bad start. Maybe the Royals are thinking them, this themselves. Maybe the players are, are like, okay, you know, like they they went into the season really optimistic, really excited. You know, they were ready. You know, and these are this is a team that I think enjoys playing. Not just in general, but they enjoy playing with each other. They they enjoy being on this team. I think this is a very close team. I think this is a very fun team. I think it's a really exciting team. And they know that. And maybe they kind of went in thinking, oh yeah, we're we're like we're we're just gonna do our thing and it'll be great. And then they're just kind of like, oh you know, playing it cool. And now they're kind of you know maybe not taking it as seriously as they should be. And they're kind of paying the consequences for that. They're like, oh wait, a minute. we can't be doing things this way because. This isn't working. I mean, think of the 2014 Royals. Let's go back all the way there. They were underperforming. They went halfway, like halfway into the season, they were below 500 or around 500 and then someone had to come in and be like, "Guys, what are you doing?" Like, what do you, like this was a season where they were all obsessed with Clash of Clans and I think it was Rusty Koontz who had to call a team meeting and be like, "What what are we doing? Like are we going to win games or are we going to just continue screwing around the entire season?" Like, sure, it's cool that everyone's having fun, but w- at some point, the, the the goal is to win, you know? And I think that they, they do have that mentality where they want to win. It's just a matter of actualizing that, of achieving that, and realizing that. So I hope that this is just a matter of growing pains, and then we can say that, yeah, it was a bad start from inexperienced players. But... You know, losing is part of the experience. It's part of the growing process. It happens. It happens to everybody. So me, personally, I'm not counting the Royals out for anything. Even though, again, this has been a very, very bad first impression. I am absolutely not denying that. And in a way, I'm not even necessarily trying to defend that. Because, yeah, lots of the things that they, they did were bad. What matters is that they understand that they... That they've been playing bad. And hopefully they will work to correct that. And hopefully we'll be able to see that for ourselves. That's kind of how I feel about it. Maybe if this was in the middle of May. And the team is, you know, 5 and 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 thir- five and 18. And they put up a series like this. Then we'll be a little bit more mad. And be like, okay, like, what are they doing? Someone has to step in and say something. You know, Manager Q... Hasn't been all that upset about anything, and he's just kind of been defending the team, like, "Oh yeah, you know, they're 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 fine. Everyone's okay, and we're we're gonna get over this," which is kind of rubbing some people the wrong way. It kind of it's kind of reminiscent of Ned Yost, who would just kind of let whatever happened happen. And he just wouldn't seem like he, he just seemed like he wouldn't be very intrusive or authoritative on what needs to happen. He's just like, oh, yeah, the, the, I'm just going to let the guys do whatever. And I'm just going to like sit here and just kind of be cool about it, <laughs> which in some ways I appreciate. I, I definitely appreciate and respect Ned Yost a lot. But maybe sometimes, you know, sometimes you need a rusty Koontz to kind of kick you in the ass to get you really going. We'll see if that happens. In the future, we'll see whatever happens in the future. There are some uh, some positives to talk about for what it's worth, uh, at least a couple. And I have already mentioned them. I'm already liking the defense from Salvi and from Massey. I'm also liking the contributions from perhaps unlikely contributors. I am really liking what my what uh, a Chapman was doing uh, in the second game of the season. Erolds Chapman is throwing 102 miles an hour every year, like you know, basically every pitcher does. Chapman has been getting slower and slower. His four-seamer has tanked in velocity. Essentially, I mean, it's still fast, but last year it was at ni- it, was, it was averaging at 97.5 miles an hour. His sinker was averaging 100.2 miles an hour. But the year before it was 100.6. Uh, 2020 was actually kind of consistent there for a while, but then it seemed like it started to drop in 2022. His four seamer is definitely not as fast as it used to be. It used to be hundred miles an hour. And then last year it was 97.5, uh, 2023, he's throwing it 99 and a half miles an hour and his sinker, which again has always been super fast. It's still in the triple digits. It's averaged hundred miles an hour. Well, 2023, he's throwing it 102.5 miles an hour. That's what StatCast says. And it was mentioned on the broadcast that the pitching coaches Kansas City has have just kind of like changed the way he stands on the mound or something. There's changed the way he delivers, and that's unlocked, or rather, um, what's what's the word, recovered some lost velocity that he's had. Over the past couple of years, and let me tell you, if Chapman is like actually back, if he becomes like a low two ERA reliever who can, you know, obviously close out games again, then wow, the Royals are going to have a very exciting trade deadline. That is going to be such a steal, and also a huge victory for the pitching coaches that the Royals hired in the winter in the winter months. So really cool to see him doing that again. And I'm, I'm someone who was super skeptical about this signing, but man, that first, that first appearance he had for the Royals, I'm just like, oh, suddenly my tone has changed about this a lot. I think this can get very exciting. And another unlikely contributor that the Royals got this season is Matt Duffy, who is kind of a utility guy. That made the roster sort of last minute, which, you know, was subject to debate. I particularly was in favor of it because I like his positional versatility. On Sunday, he got the start at third base over Hunter Dozier, and that was the right decision because he had a two-hit game, including a home run. Which is especially funny because this guy does not hit home runs, like, ever. He, He played in 77 games last year. He had two home runs. He has played in one game this season and has one home run. He's already 50% of the way there to matching his his season total of last year. And he has 29 career home runs. Oh, sorry, 30 home runs. Congratulations, Matt Duffy, on your 30th home run. But it's really cool how Manager Q t- changed the lineup a little bit. Um, he wanted to get every player on the roster. He wanted everybody to make an appearance on this opening weekend series. I don't really know if that matters all that much, but hey, it definitely worked getting Matt Duffy in there, and he had some solid defense as well. Um, I've definitely been you know, over-hyping Hunter Dozier as like an, as like this f- funny little meme, but hey, Matt Duffy can totally stake third base. I'm liking this. I'm definitely liking it over Hunter freaking Dozier, so Yeah. Congratulations to Matt Duffy for making this roster and welcome to Kansas City. You were awesome. And this is, a, and this is someone who is, uh, you know, a little bit nervous about having to talk about another player named Duffy. Because, you know, I've got, I've got my powdered blue Duffy jersey and I'm just like, this just doesn't feel right. But, hey, I will embrace it. As long as he's doing good things for this team, I can't complain. And, yeah, that's going to do it for that weekend of games hopefully again we can put this behind us and then just maybe start getting some wins against a toronto blue jays team that i think is actually going to be really good oh well stranger things have happened hey you know on monday tonight we've got jose barrios on the mound jose barrios is a guy that we usually crush Against the Kansas City Royals in his entire career, Matt Barrios has thrown 111.1 innings with a 4.45 ERA. So that's not particularly great. I actually thought it would be a lot worse than that. So I don't know. But hey, he's getting paid $130 million to do that. Woof. And he had an awful season last year. Whatever. Not my problem. And something that will be Toronto's problem, hopefully, is we've got Brady Singer on the mound. Brady Singer is going to make his much-anticipated 2023 debut. That's right, he is starting as the number four pitcher in this rotation because he just wasn't worked up enough for from spring training because he played in the World Baseball Classic and then pitched two innings. So that's why he's getting a much later start this season. That's, not, that's why he's not really getting the... Uh, that's why he didn't really get the opening day spot, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And hey, you know who else the 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 Blue Jays have? They've got Whit Merrifield. I just thought it was really funny when they mentioned that on the broadcast. You know, R- Ryan LeFever was like, "Hey, Whit Merrifield's going to return to Kauffman Stadium," and I'm just like. Ryan, I don't think people like Whit Merrifield anymore. That's not you shouldn't be excited for that. <laughs> it'll be uh, I guess it'll be interesting to see uh how people react to Whit Merrifield about a year after his um, controversial exit. We will put it nicely. And from then on, the Blue Jays are going to send out Yusei Kikuchi against the Royals on Tuesday. He is the other pitcher at the bottom of their rotation who had a very, very poor season last year. He's had a poor career in the majors overall, a 5.02 ERA. But hey, he actually had a 0.87 ERA in spring training, 20.2 innings pitched, so... You know, mate, the Blue Jays are just going to have to hope that they have figured something out with this guy and they can get him going again. They do have a great top of the rotation, which they will get into on Wednesday and Thursday. I will imagine it will be uh, either Kevin Gosman or R- Alec Manoa, or, or rather, it will be Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa in any particular order. So, those are two great pitchers. That we'll have to, you know, watch out for. Maybe hopefully get something together. It'll be a, it'll be a true test for this offense. Although I do think the Twins had a decent rotation as well. Pablo Lopez is great. Joe Ryan, I think, is really great. Sonny Gray, for some reason, is a Royals killer. Although I don't know who who isn't a Royals killer, who hasn't been a Royals killer over the last five years. The Royals, meanwhile, I I mentioned earlier, they had Brady Singer for the first game, and then Chris Bubich. It'll be very interesting to see what Chris Bubich does in his 2023 debut. Is he going to be like Brad Keller, debut some new pitches, and get some interesting results? Because I kind of didn't really mention this, because I don't think Brad Keller had an amazing start, but he did have a very competent start where um, he went 4.2 innings, gave up two runs, and gave up four walks and five hits, which is a lot, but got six strikeouts. Brad Keller is not a guy who you would expect to strike out a lot of batters. I mean, that's not like a lot of batters, but still more than you would expect from Brad Keller. You would expect half of that in that many innings, if that. So hopefully we will get a new and improved Chris Bubich for 2023, and then the rotation will start over with Zach Greinke pitching on Wednesday and Jordan Lyles pitching on on Thursday, who I didn't really mention, but Jordan Lyles had a pretty all right outing himself maybe we'll talk about him a little bit more next time but whatever happens we'll talk about it when we get there until then i am going to end the discussion here and that's it i have to say like that that's it that's the end for like 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 five times in a row in any case thank you very much for listening to the royal deluxe part, podcast part of the fans first sports network you can follow me the host Lux Michael Farina at the re- at the MFNKC on Twitter, or you can follow the podcast for updates about the podcast itself, as well as other general baseball analysis, more live reactions at Royal Deluxe Pod on Twitter. Or further inquiries can be sent to Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And I would also love to hear from you if you Leave a review and a rating on whichever podcast platform you're listening to this on. I welcome all and any feedback, and I appreciate your support. And you know what else I appreciate? The fact that you took some time out of your day to make the Royal Deluxe Podcast a part of it. I hope you're having a good one. I'll see you on Friday, and until then, I'm Lux. Go Royals.